Fuck it. Let's um, let's do it. We'll do the interview, and then yeah, if Zach cool. gets on or whatever, we'll we'll give him a shout. Right. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Recording. Yep. Okay, perfect. All right, welcome back to the Seek Straight Podcast. We are here with Seb, who I think is fair to say quickly becoming one of the leading weightlifting news outlets, one of yeah. the top three, I think. And uh, great YouTube, great podcasts. Um, I really like the news podcast. The kind of Thank you know, you. when something happens, yeah. The first place I think is oh weightlifting house because you'll have some kind of scoop on the weightlifting, like the Ross Stammy thing. Remember we were listening yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah. Like that's the first place I think to go for some kind of like inside details or something. And obviously, you sell a lot of equipment. You've like you've your bars, your tape, uh, you've the yeah. book. Um, that's kind of your main kind of um, you've, like you've a small selection of stuff, but they're kind of high quality, and you look to kind of yeah, yeah. The most essential for weightlifting, I think, is probably the fairest way of putting those. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit? So, did you lift before? Like, how long is weightlifting house around? Like, what was the kind of what started it? So, I started weightlifting uh, about seven and a half, eight years ago. Something like that. I'd I'd been involved in rowing at a previous university. I kind of enjoyed that, but as with most of the team sports I did growing up, like I just felt that other people didn't try as hard as me, and I felt like it was the same in the boat. Like you give everything, and then other people wouldn't try so hard. It was just kind of annoying. So I was looking for an independent sort of you know single athlete sport. Um, saw something about CrossFit in a magazine and instantly thought that was kind of cool. You just get to work out for a living. So I went to a CrossFit box and saw people weightlifting, fell in love with the movements very quickly, and then basically started training. You know, I've been training now for, well, the last year I've not been training so much, but I'd been (laughs) training for about seven years and I was living at university with some friends and I managed to basically get them all to start weightlifting. And everyone got like reasonable, like everyone was snatching between you know, 110 and 140-ish. Like, everyone was pretty decent in this house of six. Um, And I kind of realized, like, God, I love living in this house, and I bet loads of other people who love weightlifting would love to be in this house and love to see it. Like, if it was, like, a TV show, that would be epic. And I kind of joked around saying, like, oh, if it was, we could just call it Weightlifting House. Um, And then left university, met Glenn Pendley, who became, like, a bit of a mentor for me. And he said, all right, you've got to start a business. You've got to start a website. You've got to get your name out there. Have you got any ideas? And I said, well, you know, I used to live in this house called Weightlifting House. And he said, yeah. So I just bought the domain weightliftinghouse.com and uh, kind of just went off from there, really. Nice. And uh, how long ago was that? So Weightlifting House is more Oh, than- so that was almost exactly three years ago nice. is when I first started it. So, yeah, I had a year where it was just basically me and Glenn doing podcasts and a couple of T-shirts. And then I really decided, like, I've got to ramp this up because I just don't want to. I don't really want to work a normal job. Like, I really love weightlifting. I realized very quickly that I wasn't going to set the world on fire with my lifting. Like as, as much as I love the sport and as hard as I try, no one's going to pay to watch me. Like I'm very, very average. Um, so I figured out oh, I got to find another way. And I know a lot about the sport. I always retain numbers and stats pretty well so I can recount those. So I figured oh, I'll just spend all of my time doing that. So kind of really focused in on, you know, articles, news podcasts, products. So yeah, I got the barbells uh, going and we're actually actually we're doing plates at the moment so we're getting those really? manufactured right now which is nice. i'm really excited about so we'll yeah. be able to sell uh plates around the world as well but yeah so I, I guess the last two years has been serious and the year before that was basically do a podcast for fun because i got to talk to glenn and he was you know a famous coach at the time so i figured that would be good for me yeah and how did you meet glenn first day was that just like at a competition mm. or that's actually quite so i I met, well, I'd always been following Cal Strength. Like, you know, when I got involved in the sport, it was like 2000, 
12, something like that. So Cal Strength was still around as like the old Glenn, John, Norse, Donny kind of era, just before they moved to MDSA. So I'd been like watching him for a long time. And then when I heard he had his stroke and the MDSA kind of dissolved, this professional weightlifting team disappeared. I just messaged him and I was living in this house of weightlifters, this weightlifting house. And I messaged him and I said, Glenn, I live in a house of weightlifters. We're all committed. We'll fly out to the USA. And I was kind of speaking on everyone's behalf. I didn't really check with them, but I was like, <laughs> we'll all move out and live there and train under you full time if you'll let us. Uh, and he didn't, re- like classic Glenn, he didn't reply for about five months. <laughs> and then literally like just as we were leaving on our final year at university, we we're all going to say goodbye and like, you know, disappear off. I got a message from him and he said, you know, I'm doing a training camp in Christmas, which is six months later. Um, do you want to fly over and we'll kind of get to know each other? We'll, we'll train for a few weeks and, and we'll see how we get on. So I, I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. And then just being kind of the opportunistic person that I am, I just, I kind of said to, I said to my girlfriend, I said to my family, like, I'm not going to leave that camp without having something set up with Glenn for the future. Like, there's no way I'm going to go and meet this guy and then not, and, and then just say goodbye and like that be that. So when I got there, I said to Glenn, oh, you've got to do a seminar tour around the UK. Um, I'll set the whole thing up for you. I'll, I'll contact the gyms. Like, I'll do all of these things. Uh, I'll drive you around. And he said, sure, let's do it. So I, I set that up. Um, I, we, we, ultimately, we did two tours. The second one, we actually came to Ireland. We came to where you guys are. But yeah. um, on this first tour, like I set the whole thing up. And then about, I don't know, two weeks before, he messaged me and said, oh, can I just confirm that you can drive me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, I'll drive you around. And then hung up. And then I was like, shit, like, I, I don't know how to drive. And I don't have a car. <laughs> so I, I got all of my money. I was just working at a gym. I got all my money paid for an intensive driving course. And uh, literally, I'd never, I'd never driven a car. And then, like, the day before he turns up, I went to my test, just like sweating buckets. Like, if I, if I miss this, like, I, if I fail, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, and I, oh I passed the God. test, spent all my money on a car. And then literally the first thing I did was I drove up to Bristol to the airport, picked him up, terrified oh, and, yeah, uh, and drove him back to Exeter. And then, and then the tour began and it was during that that he said, you know, do you want to do a podcast and all that sort of stuff? So I, I kind of, you know, a little bit of lying, a little bit of opportunistic thinking and you, you find yourself in an interesting situation. That's a crazy yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> so then you kind of, you had your first kind of, your book, your, um, so, the greatest weightlifters in history book that that must have yeah, taken yeah. how long did that take like what was the the research well, it was initially a podcast yeah i was just doing it on a friday just counting down the top 70 weightlifters just talking about their lives careers that sort of thing and then it was about halfway through that i got a message from a guy called dan kent who now works with me full-time at weightlifting house and he messaged me and he said you know i really like the podcast would you be interested in turning it into a book because he was ju- he was just starting like a strength book publishing website which ultimately hasn't turned into anything because he's just working with weightlifting house now but i said yeah absolutely that sounds great so started working with him turned this podcast series into a book got the rights for the photos and everything and then on our final meeting where we were saying okay it's all done it's all perfect i kind of been thinking to myself you know i like working with this guy he's he's smart he's he knows a lot about business and he'd clearly been thinking the same so he basically said look this is the end of the road for this book but if you want me to start working with Weightlifting House, I have a couple of propositions for you. Um, and we chatted about it, had some food, and he said, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's let's do it. Like, I could, I could use the help. I'm te- like, I, I'm terrible at electronics and you know websites and and Amazon that sort of you know like I'm just create content that yeah. kind of person. He, he's behind the scenes kind of guy. So 
we work pretty well together. So that's that's how the book came out, and then that's how I ended up working with him, which made a big difference. Nice. So yeah. you, you've a lot of like little tidbits in that. So how did you? How intensive was that research for the actual, the minutia, the little bits of information? For the for the book. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, some of it was like. You know, some of it was like a straight throwback to when you're like in year seven and you've got to do a, a presentation on someone and you just find their Wikipedia page. And instead of it saying like he was born in 1961, you just say 37 years ago in 1961 on a dark night, such and such. Like you just pad it out. And <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, because it's just, if, if you're looking like at a guy called like Sergei Sritsov, he's like, you know, just weird lifter that no one's ever heard about. Yeah. Competes like twice and no one knows anything like there's just not that much information so a lot of it was just like padding out yeah, yeah. you know a bit from wikipedia and then other stuff you know there's you know you look at someone like pizarenko and there's tons of interviews uh loads of random um even like training programs that have him reference and there's just a lot to read about um so those guys you know you end up just reading and summarizing everything and it's really easy if anything you have too much uh but some of them was like yeah trying to get water out of a stone it's horrible <laughs> You know, <laughs> and some of them didn't even have a Wikipedia page, so oh, that was kind of tough. Um, yeah. But I just used. Do, do you know the the website Chidlovsky dot com? I think it's dot com. Is that so the really, Arthur Chidlovsky? The really yeah, poorly. Yeah. yeah, I know the website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Arthur Chidlovsky. It's only patricians know about that. I'm so impressed. That's epic. Um, <laughs> but he just has like for the last like 50 years every result from every athlete. So a lot of it was actually just getting one athlete and looking at, you know, the 10 years of their career and then just building a narrative behind it. Like you can see him do well, then you see that the next year he does really badly. And you can see that the guy who beat him two years ago, he just beat. So you can start like creating this rivalry that must have existed that you don't necessarily know about, but you, you just see the stories and the patterns in there and that, that pads it out into, you know, history books that people believe was true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's the website with the there's a lot of old footage as well like really old footage on that isn't there yeah that's it that's a great yeah, yeah, website yeah. it's um do you know anything about him actually because i've never heard anyone i have him those. on facebook oh, yeah okay. i have him on facebook and i actually I, I got in touch with him so him and this guy called bruce clemens who has all of these old photos like they basically helped with oh. the book massively yeah. he had the photos and, and arthur jidlovsky had all the, the data but one of the guys or two of the athletes, like no one had a photo of. So I contacted Arthur Jidlovsky and I said, do you know anyone who has this? And he's like, yeah, there's this, there's this old Russian guy. He's about 80 years old. He used to film Soviet weightlifters in like Stalingrad in like the seventies or something. And I can put you in contact with him. So he puts me in contact with this guy called Gergi Gurgenian, I think was his name. And uh, we had to contact via email. And he basically said, cause he had no like bank account. He's like from like rural, like, middle of nowhere in russia he said send an envelope of money to a locker in moscow and i'll pick it up and if it arrives i'll email you the photos fucking hell so i was like okay so i just went to the atm got money out put it in a you know thing sent it and uh like two weeks later these photos turned up in my email wow, <laughs> so nice. yeah i really scrapped together for that book but it like it just turned out you know turned out really well but yeah just in time like it, it was a lot of stuff that could have gone wrong with that which is why i've been hesitant to do the the women's volume just because oh. i know that so much will go wrong but at some point i'll get there that might be a little bit more e easier i suppose considering how recent women's weightlifting is considered compared to men's that's so true yeah nothing will be before 2000 so yeah, yeah hopefully they'll have stuff uh so 
a little bit about the product resource. So, so obviously you, you have mm. your bar, and uh, I've actually used it. So it's in David's gym in yeah. uh, in in Trilly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Flammable bar. It's the price of it is um, I think is what gets people is kind of it's very very reasonably priced considering it doesn't feel any better. I have a work sand bar, a training bar, and I think they go mm-hmm. for like just out of a thousand euro for a training bar. No, I didn't pay that much right. for it, but given the quality of it, it's it's um it's very good. Yeah. How, how did that happen? How did the bars come about? Like, because obviously that wasn't as easy yeah, as mailing yeah. off money to a Russian man in the middle. You know, you had to. <laughs> it was a bit easier than that. No, so I was really lucky because obviously Glenn Pendley was famous for Pendley equipment and he sold Pendley bars. And when he, you know, Pendley got bought up by this company, MDUSA. And uh, at that point, they would sell as many as like 100 bars a day. Like really? It was, there was, yeah, they were selling a lot of barbells. They yeah. must have been like top three manufacturers in the world probably because this was before brogue yeah so it was like Aleco, pendley and usaka maybe i don't know something yeah. like that works and so he'd been doing that he knew a lot about barbells and he said that he was going to start you know this new weightlifting company called american american weightlifting somehow no one had ever bought the domain name for it like it was just there so he grabbed it and he said, do you want to sell American weightlifting bars in Europe and be the European distributor? And I was like, you know, that sounds, sounds great. Like it's either that to make some money or I, or I have to work in an office. So I said, yeah, let's do that. Um, and just before he did it, I said, you know, I just started weightlifting house. I was like, you know, I don't know if people in the UK are going to want to buy something that says American on it because yeah. we're just like, we're not that patriotic. I don't know why, like but our country is so divided like some people are patriotic some people aren't but we're definitely not like wanting to buy american stuff but you yeah. you slap american on something in america and it sells it just sells people love it even if it's made in china which yeah. which it wasn't but you know even if it is like people love it um so i basically had i had this really uncomfortable conversation with them where i said you know i don't know if it will work so well and we kind of said well maybe we can come up with a collab logo that has american weightlifting and then weightlifting house logo in the middle and then eventually I remember being at his house in Kansas and I just sat him down and I said, look, I'll cut you in, but I would love it if you could put me in contact with the barbell guys and I'll just sell weightlifting house bars and maybe you could distribute for me in the USA. And yeah. it was kind of, you know, it was a bit awkward, but ultimately he kind of realized that that was maybe the best direction to go. So he had his company, I had mine, which was a weird thing. You know, we're both basically competing for the same thing, but helping each other sell them. Um, and so, you know, with all the money that I had, which came from selling a load of those YB normal t-shirts, which for some reason just took off, um, I had enough to buy like 20 bars, 30 bars, like not a lot, just get them manufactured, sold those. And then the profits from those meant that I could get, you know, 40 the next time and then 50 the next time. And it just kind of went like that. Um, so never took outside investment or anything, just literally just reinvested constantly into buying more stuff. Uh, and I mean, like nowhere near on the level of like those guys I've mentioned, like we're not, we're not rogue, we're not Pendley, we're not, yeah. you know, works and, but, but it, it's, it's going well, you know, like we're selling more each year. So, uh, things are going well, but, but like you said, I think a lot of it is that price. It's just kind of made that commitment early on and it's cliche. Every business says it, but like, you know, trying to make, trying to get the best stuff and have it affordable for the average weightlifter. Yeah. But like, because it's only me and well, it's only two full-time people plus Josh from America who spends a few hours with us a week. But because it's that, like, we don't have to make our prices a thousand dollars because we don't have fifty people to employ and pay. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a really lean operation, which means that we can just cut the cost to all of these things quite a lot. So like, when the plates come out, they'll be 
the the best plates like the same as all of the Aleco plates and the Rogue plates it's just going to be at a cheaper price point which is kind of nice what kind of release date are you looking at for the plates or you have any idea yet what kind of price no what kind of release date is it soon oh release it well i think what we'll do is initially we'll put them up on a pre-order that will happen within june so within the next two weeks i'd have thought uh and then the first batch will arrive uh late october early november something like that okay yeah and so have them in time for black friday and christmas and all of that yeah those holidays yeah how crazy was the the whole kind of COVID-19 lockdown and all the gym gear in, well, definitely in Europe going yeah. uh, going missing somewhere. How yeah, crazy yeah, was yeah. that for you? And like, how did you manage to deal with that? <laughs> I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, ex- it was kind of exhilarating to be honest, because like everything, you know, COVID struck, everyone got stuck at home. And the first thing that happened was nobody, everybody stopped buying t-shirts and thumb tape. Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap, like our sales just tanked hard. And then suddenly people cottoned on to the fact that they weren't going back to the gym. And so, you know, ev- suddenly everyone's like, I need a home gym. So we just, like, I, we never sold bars at that rate ever. Like it was great. Like barbells just all sold. And instantly we put on a new pre-order for another batch. They all sold. Yeah. And in fact, they just arrived in the USA like two weeks ago and just shipped out. We have two more batches being manufactured, like some more arriving in August most of which are already sold and then loads more which will arrive in september which we haven't yet you know sold into but it like it's just been pre-orders because people there's nowhere that has bars ready so you just have to basically put your money down and say i'll get it in three months or something like that so that was exciting but you know every other product it's probably the same with most other businesses at the moment like people just aren't buying things yeah because like you only buy a cool t-shirt really to look cool in front of your friends like, <laughs> yeah, yeah let's be honest yeah so and if you're training on your own like you're just in like your trackies and you're you got you're just topless you know what i mean like you yeah. don't care what yeah so uh but hopefully things will start opening up at some point maybe and i know i don't know about you guys like i just want the pubs to open like desperately <laughs> me and like, you both <laughs> yeah I, I just went to the shops and i bought 26 pounds worth of beer uh <laughs> And after this, I'm going to my friend's house. We're just going to sit in the garden, like spaced out, like yeah, three of yeah. us, yeah. a few meters apart and just just have a few drinks because you've kind of got to do that. And that, that's legal now. We're allowed to do that, which is nice. But yeah, yeah. I can't wait to get to a pub. <laughs> yeah, it's the same here. Like everybody was doing like Zoom quizzes and like like mm. house party, like all these different things. Uh, and then can't do I'd it, say, yeah, around three weeks ago, um, I'd say it was probably two or three weeks ago over here. We just started it like like in people's gardens spaced out um and it's just so much better yeah so nice yeah 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 something about zooms just doesn't work like if there are five people because you can't have little conversations no. like one person is talking the whole time yeah. has to like direct the conversation it's just yeah this is my stressful. first time in Gurf's house for like three months yeah uh, oh yeah and his dog is so afraid or one of the dogs is so afraid of me <laughs> Uh, so I'd say the dog thought I was like just gone dead and buried and now it's it's life has ended again <laughs> um, but yeah it's funny I suppose about the, the t-shirts as well like we had we just did a release literally like uh-huh. two weeks before the whole world went to shit and we sold everything in like two days yeah couldn't nice. we couldn't believe it we were like holy shit everything was ordered like all the so obviously we had a few like XXXXL t-shirts yeah, and like yeah. extra small but yeah. mostly medium and large and they sold out like in two days and then I'd say if we'd done that a month later, we would have been so disheartened. I can only imagine yeah. how little we would have sold, you know. 
Um, so yeah, the worst is just having money like locked up in inventory. Yeah, that's yeah. not moving because it's just people aren't buying it. It's just sat there, and you're like. Yeah. You'd kind of rather just not have it and just have the cash so you could use it for something else oh, for yeah. the business or something but eh, it's fine um so obviously one of your one of your your kind of key aspects of your business now is your youtube so the the little mm. not so obviously we had all things gym and we had um hook rip who videoed the training but you kind of took it to a new dimension and we're mm-hmm adding some commentary and I think a lot of people so initially you actually I noticed in the comments people didn't like the commentary and then yeah out of no like I I, I don't know why it annoyed people so much it was very strange like I love reading comments and other people's things so I was like oh, I love how, it how yeah. other people are interacting you know yeah. and then I love the backstory like you know say the one you had one Andre Ramno last year at the Worlds yeah. so he was like no no I'm not going heavy and he told Nat the same thing yeah so Nat mm-hmm. went off filming a competition you were saying yeah, and then yeah. he doubles 180 or something. Yeah. For yeah. Was, it, was it 190 or something like that? So like Doubles that. 80 and singles 90, yeah. Like, like I want to hear that because anytime I've been in competitions, I love, I love like, you don't find out those things unless no. someone there tells you because you, you would never tell someone otherwise. You know, if you just recorded a podcast talking about that, it's a little bit weird. It's not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if you're talking over a video of that actual training session, it makes sense. Right. And, and, um, but they've taken off now, right? They've kind of, people have kind yeah. of come around to the idea. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a funny one where I just, I kind of realized very quickly, I'm not going to beat ATG and hook grip in terms of video quality. Like I, one, I don't care enough. Like I put, like if, if a video is in extra high definition, it doesn't make much of a difference to me because it's just the weightlifting. Yeah. And also like, I don't have the camera equipment. I have no knowledge of camp. Like it's so funny when we're at these world championships, whatever, and they have like these enormous cameras with zooms that are like this long. And I, my phone is like, it's not much bigger than my iPhone. It's like this small little handheld camera. Um, and the difference is crazy. So I just figured I've got to do something different. And I know that for me, the things that I love the most are the stories about things that happen in the training hall. Like yeah. seeing a 180 is great, but seeing a 180 and knowing that maybe opposite him, Simon Marcherosian did 170 and that there was a little bit of, you know, tension in the air. And, you know, that's like, it, that makes it much more real. And so, you know, I kind of realized with weightlifting house as well, like you can't reach everyone. Um, you've kind of got to choose your demographic and the demographic for weightlifting house, uh, people who are completely obsessed with weightlifting and want to know everything. It's not for the people who just started. It's, it's for the people who were just like freakishly obsessed to the extent that like, you know, we bring out these bumper plates or the, these competition plates. I'm thinking that we don't even put the number on them because if you like weightlifting, you you don't need it to say 20 on a blue plate yeah you know what i mean like yeah, it, yeah. it just just have it there and be like this is basically a, like this is for weightlifters this is not for you know people who do crossfit and don't understand that this is not for you know this yeah. is literally what it is and so i figured that's how it's going to be the videos and so it's not going to get you know a million subscribers because it's too specific uh but it is going to get at some point like a hundred thousand subscribers of the most you know, perfectly targeted weightlifting fans in the world. So yeah. I, I'd rather like keep it, you know, exact, not open up to cover other strength sports, not cover like, you know, peewee weightlifting from somewhere, like just absolutely like just proper weightlifting for, for literally people like me and you, like not for people who are six months in and don't know anything. Like yeah, there's other places for those people. I think weightlifting as well is the perfect sport for that because you've people... Yeah. It just seems to attract a certain kind of person who's incredibly detail oriented yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. versus like, you know, like football or, or uh, rugby or, or just e- even other like singular sports. Um, uh-huh. 
a lot of the athletics like you have really broad fan bases but they're mm-hmm. they're fan bases that like fall in and out every four years uh, yeah, yeah yeah whereas in weightlifting it's like yeah three people are really really into it but those three people have like <laughs> every single piece of data possible in that's their it. heads yeah yeah that's it and that's the other thing with with weightlifting is you with other sports like the, i have a lot of friends who just love football but they don't play football yeah but if you're a weightlifting fan you weightlift every day yeah. like it's your whole life and if you if you're a weightlifter you'll buy shoes every year or two you'll always have straps you'll always have knee sleeves you'll always get t-shirts so like once you have found a weightlifting fan who likes your brand yeah you, you've kind of like you've got them like they're not going to disappear and like forget about weightlifting they're, that's what you actually yeah. whereas yeah. like you know someone who watches football on tv they don't they're not going to go and buy football shoes necessarily yeah or get the new t-shirt like they're, they're just going to watch the game and that's it but weightlifters are so obsessed it's great i, I love i love weightlifters because they're uh, like you said they're obsessed with the numbers that's very true actually you do if you have a fan in weightlifting you'll have them forever yeah there's people yeah. i used to post on my youtube like literally seven years ago and now we started posting on our own youtube on seeky strength and they are back on the comments you know with the yeah, same yeah. profile pictures because i can remember them you know <laughs> and you're like this is it's very impressive like because if they like you, they like you forever, no matter what. Well, you I think do. I yeah. was on yours. I think I was on your uh, YouTube very early on. Oh, really? Yeah, like I, I started watching. I don't know who had it first out of you and Clarence, but like I remember watching Clarence when he was like hitting 180, 190 back squat singles. Yeah. Like pre 200 kilo back squat. Like he was snatching like 100, like not a lot of yeah, weight, yeah, clean yeah. and jerking 140. Like very early on, Jesus. that's when I kind of started lifting. Um, so I was watching you. I don't know. I don't, I can't tell you when it was, but a long time ago. That's literally like eight years ago. The I'd baby girl yeah. days. I used to watch those videos, even though I was training with Clarence and I was there. I was probably yeah. holding the camera, but I still watched them after when I went home from college while I was eating my dinner because I'd be like, this is good video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember. Do you have any idea that you guys would get so well known? No, I did. I... <laughs> One time we did a live stream uh, like four years ago with Clarence. So we were just back squatting and it was when I was trying to back squat 200 kilos and the amount, the comments made me so uncomfortable <laughs> how just oh, yeah. aggressively homoerotic they were it was just that, that video's still there and the comments were why, why is that it's like something a like live so youtube weird. show turns into the worst thing oh man you yeah should, don't ever go on his discord anyway it's um he, he invited me i didn't know what discord was until like last year and then he invited me no. on it. i looked at his for like five minutes and yeah. i was like i'm gonna i gotta go i can't be on this yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and like oh i don't know anyway so what was your what was your favorite of your your kind of your training kind of videos you know your i saw ross dami and misa was pretty good that was a that's a great video yeah that was the so the ross dami kinesis dami mezzosona one was the most probably uh tense in the back room like there was it was the most direct competition i've ever seen like it was very clear to everyone in the back room that it was just these two going head to head yeah like the guy who used to be the olympic champion who's kind of fallen off versus the new guy who just took second at Worlds and is clearly on his way to being the best. And Rustami is so, um, he's so proud to, to a fault. Like he refuses to be the person who opens anywhere but last. And we saw that at Worlds, like he tried to open last and he bombs out. Like it's like, he's going to win or he's going to bomb out. And whereas Mezzo is a lot more chilled. He's a lot more, you know, he gets hyped. If he misses, it is what he is. He goes with the flow, but... Rustami is too proud. And so to see those two go head to head, like they were timing their warm ups. So, you know, Meza would go to lift and suddenly Rustami would run to the bar, snatch 150 at the same time just to try and put Meza off. Um, 
And then ultimately Firmezo would have to come out and hit, you know, after Rastami hits an all-time personal record in competition at 225, then Mezzo comes out, hits a personal record. Was it a junior world record or was he? Maybe he wasn't a junior anymore. I don't think he was a junior anymore, was he? He wasn't a junior anymore. But yeah, he goes and hits 228 for a personal record, like three kilos under the world record. Just, yeah, it was yeah, it was crazy. And, and having lived, because I'd been with Mezzo for two week, two or three weeks before that, living in the training hall and just filming every day, like, you know, seeing the build, seeing what kind of shape he was in. Like, I knew he was capable of those numbers. So for me as well, like, I was very excited to see him win. Yeah. Very pleased to see him win. Oh, um, how cool are the so that's great. How cool are the family? The whole, his whole like entourage. It's yeah, the whole unreal. family. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. DDM. And you, you've spent time with, you've spent time with Bezzet before, right? Yeah. yeah. We were there for a week last year. Yeah. And then before that, we met them in Uzbekistan. Uh, oh, yeah. We just trained with them a couple of times. Yeah, like he did us. So we we drove to Mongolia in a, in a micro and um, I saw that. Yeah, there was a, <laughs> we, we were look we had trained in like six we, weeks. Yeah, we're in by far the worst shape. I uh, I got the the worst diarrhea of my life. Like I'm talking, <laughs> I lost like six kilos in three days, and we were in the desert. So oh god! And some and in Iran they'd stolen our medicine bag. So I had I just had managed to save this little bottle of charcoal tablets which were doing nothing to stem the flow of my insides leaving me and then i messaged gregor and he was like oh he mentioned that oh you could probably train in the federation as Uzbekistan." he was like misa might be there though just just in case and i was like we probably won't see them so we got there the first day i couldn't lift the bar we had one pair of waiting shoes so i gave it to dara and he started lifting and then then misa just walks in and i was like fuck so then i started training with them and like bear in mind now i i, gen- I was down to 96 kilos yeah. from when we started, like I was 108 or something before we went on the trip. <sighs> so then the next day, he was like, we were like, oh, you should come squat with me the next day because he'd seen my Instagram and he knew it had a big squat. So yeah. then I got there and um, oh <laughs> my God, I, I pulled 220 out of nowhere though. Like, yeah, I think it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I just, there was just, you know, when you're like, there's just no way I can look bad in front of this. Yeah, yeah. And then like, I was, I was crippled. It's a testament though to how like inviting they are as a family and as like a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we were just two guys from Ireland who were just training right. in the in the facility and then they just came over like they they'd start talking even though like most of them besides me so like at that point their English was very limited. Yeah. Um and they came over and then like Joe was very very clear like that Joe anything you wanted to help with or anything like that that they were there mm-hmm. uh and then like oh what time are you training tomorrow and then like just really really nice people mm-hmm. um, and then they were just like do you want to come to Qatar next year and obviously we were like absolutely yeah and then um, like his father is just I, I would I would just, so we were like we would love if he had more English you know but and we didn't think he had until the last night he said something in English and we felt like blessed because he'd said yeah. nothing for the whole thing you know <laughs> he'd say to Miso and then Miso would tell us and then you'd be like remember this forever and you're like right he's yeah. done because this is like valuable information but um, yeah from a from a like a kind of sports team and a sports psychology standpoint as well. It's an unbelievable dynamic they have as a family mm. group. So like as a father and son, and then the second son, like Joe, they're, they all work so closely together. And then yeah. mm-hmm. like teams that close rarely work out well yet. Right. Yeah. Any, any time we've seen them, it's just like a seamless yeah. and there's like two way communication there. It's not like this kind of, old hierarchical system like yeah. it is no. yeah really impressive so yeah what- we were talking about this on the podcast maybe even like a week or two ago and i referenced them as it's it's rare that f- 
like a family can succeed that well as yeah. in like this coaching system. But at the same time, the best athlete coach relationships, like the coach clearly cares for the athlete oh tremendously. Yeah. And that's what you see with Mezzo, like with his dad. I mean, I asked him like why it works so well. He said, well, you know, if anyone's going to have my back, it's my dad. Yeah. Like yeah. if anyone's going to want me to do the, the right thing, it's going to be him so I can trust him completely. And then it's the same when you look at like, you know, the best athlete coach relationships in the USA where you have, you know, Wes Kitts and Dave Spitz. Yeah. Uh, Wes, yeah, Wes Kitts and Dave Spitz where like, Dave is such a father figure to Wes, like just in the way that they act. You've got like CJ Cummings and um, uh, whatever his, I'm blanking his coach's name. Who, I mean, yeah. they're unbelievably tight. Like, and you see it like around, you know, around the world. Some of the best, I mean, when Ilya was at his peak, he had his best friends coaching for yeah. him. You know, it was it was no longer Alexei Nee or whatever the Kazakh coach's name mm -hmm. is. Like he had his boys doing it because like they care about him the most. So yeah, seeing that was Mezzo was very nice. Yeah, we saw the exact opposite in Uzbekistan. Do you remember the '94 who snatched 180 at Junior Worlds, and he hasn't been seen since from Uzbekistan. Um, really sharp black hair, really good snatch. Uh, I think he did 180s in '94 Junior, clean and jerk like 200. Uh, I know. There's the Belarusian guy. No, it's um Uzbekistan. Yeah, he's yeah definitely okay. Uzbekistan. For uh, what weight class? Ninety four. So he did one nine. It was like one eighty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, God, what's his name? Like, yeah, um, yeah, I know who you mean. So he was there yeah. as well, and he was training at Miso, and he clearly had a very, very, very severe elbow injury. Injury. Yeah. And he was trying to do front squat, so he tried to snatch like the bar, and it was clearly like killing him. So if he's someone who can snatch one eighty, his mental resilience, all that stuff, is obviously very high. Yeah. And if the bar was killing him, yeah. So then he started doing some front squats, and he got up to like two twenty. And the worst thing he could be doing was more front yeah. squats. So yeah, then yeah. the coach was there. They had a big argument. Clearly, your man was in huge pain. The coach literally waved his hand and walked out. And then uh, the guy was in obviously a professional athlete, massive amounts of pain. Yeah. And then Miso's father and the brother came over and were trying to help him. And they were like, like a like a racehorse, the stallion. <laughs> they were just like, it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah, like so. Once he stopped, once they said he couldn't like snatch an empty bar the first coach left yeah and then the second coach stayed there and they were like just grabbing his elbows and forced him into a front squat position oh, yes and he was like unable to stand on his own two feet like um really and then and then like when he wasn't it like i think he got might have gotten to like 200 or something on the yeah. front squat and it was like deeply uncomfortable and then once once that stopped the the second coach just walked out it was crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, even even when you look at the Chinese athletes and you tend to think that they're very like clinical, they're really not like, you know, when Lou wins something and his coach runs on, like and they hug and like they're clearly unbelievably close. Yeah. yeah. And one of the only systems that seemed to have worked the other way around where there isn't that closeness was the Bulgarians. Yeah. And part of that was just their societal regime where they had access to so many people mm -hmm. yeah. and they could just funnel them in and like you know it's described as like this weedle program where it's just going to weedle out everyone except for the champion rather than develop them it's just going to find out only one person can handle it for 10 years yeah. and if yeah. you can handle it for 10 years you'll be the best in the world and everyone else will die but yeah. you'll find that one person there's no like nurturing process through it's just yeah galavani's uh book the white prisoner uh yeah, yeah, details yeah. that very well and yeah, yeah, i think I as well that things are just so different back then to what they are now. And like, especially over there back then, he, like he's talking about living in like dorms. Uh, it's like snowing outside. They're literally freezing in the dorms and they don't have any food. And then like food will arrive and they'll have like enough food for a week again and they can go back training again. Like, you know, like 
somebody like that their coach not hugging them probably doesn't affect them that much you know like no. yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well they're doing it for their family at that point like, exactly you know they're, they're doing it who i can't think who was it that said i think norik vardanian maybe told me the story of when he was talking to like a bulgarian athlete like why do you train so hard and the athlete said we're training for milk like we're literally Jesus. training so that yeah. we can afford milk for our children and and like what what american yeah. regardless of the you know the drug system like what american what brit is like basically going to beat yep. someone yeah. who is training because if they don't their child will starve like it, it's a hobby yeah. You, yeah you can't you can't outwork that person yeah it's the same easily. with the like with a lot of the marathon runners there who are setting the records um like in a few of their interviews so the guy who held the 204 marathon was beaten i can't remember the name but he's beaten by a guy anyway uh two years ago or no it was last year uh and they have the same manager and there's an interview with both of them and they're both saying like because uh, they're obviously being asked about their kids and like if they think uh like this kind of same lineage of of where record holders will hold for that kind of genetic mm-hmm. pool and they're saying like look every single day we had to run to school it's like we don't we didn't have running shoes for the first however many years they're mm-hmm. like my kid gets brought to school in like a Bentley oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. how the hell is that going to develop an athlete the same way uh, was this um, Kipchoge the guy yeah, he yeah, up yeah. to yeah yeah, yeah. But and that's that that is like the, one of the most amazing things i've ever seen oh, that's great. like yeah. him going sub two I, i've watched a few things about him as well and it's just yeah fascinating like the but they're all so happy like when you see them all train they're running around in kenya yeah, yeah. and they're all such good fr- they're so kind to each other yeah it's just crazy yeah but, yeah yeah but i think i wonder if that's you know do you what do you think is more impressive because we spoke about this on the podcast like the sub two marathon or the 500 kilo total in weightlifting Definitely the total. It has. Using the total is significantly total. more. Yeah, hundred percent. I I would agree. I th- I think I'd say the total is yeah. harder. Yeah. Me- like mentally, he has to keep a pace, but it's a pace he's used to. But like five hundred, like snatching eleven and a half kilos more than anyone has ever yeah, done before. Yeah. You know, but when people said that two sixteen was the most, and you're gonna do so, like Kiptoji only had to beat it by like two. Only had to beat it by two minutes, but for right. For Lasha to beat the total, he's need to he needs to yeah. smash it, you know. Yeah. That, like yeah. He's a equi- he's essentially adding half an hour to the run. Like he's doing an hour and a half marathon to do the yeah. five. I feel like that's the way it would be. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think the runners like the two hour marathon is just so much closer. Yeah. Like yeah. you were saying, like it's it's so much closer. It might be more impressive than a four eighty total. Yeah. You know, like it's. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, oh, I'd say it is. Yeah, it's more impressive than that. But and it's also like you have so many, not so many. There are a lot of marathon runners who can run sub two hundred six, two hundred five. Like they're like right, yeah, like, not loads, huge... but like there's a handful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it was. It was only a guy who was a little bit better who just snuck sub two. Whereas yeah. like over fifty years, all of the best supers have totaled in the high four seventies, and then we just happen to have this one freak who's yeah. like pushed it up to four eighty four. But it shows, like, it, even, like, with the biggest freak, they've only been able to move it, like, six kilos. And there's yeah. another 16 to go. Yeah. And, like, he clearly thinks that you can do it. Like, I don't know if you saw the the video that Tarokti put out oh, with him recently. Great video. Yeah. great video, yeah. And he talks about, you know, how if he hits 500, he's going to want 505 and 510. It's like, <laughs> how can you even be considering that? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is his mindset. Kind of moving on to a little bit more somber note, but I suppose mm. you had... It'd be a shame not to ask you about it, but this 
so you when you lived in uh, Qatar for like nearly a couple of weeks you had first-hand experience from, I suppose, one of the greatest tragedies of weightlifting in the last 10 years was you lived with Ilya Ilian. So a lot of our, you know, even some of our powerlifters and crossfitters and kind of other athletes who listen to the podcast would probably have heard of Ilya being one of the greatest weightlifters. And obviously we had his whole doping debacle. And so mm. he came back to compete naturally. And what was, obviously you're a huge weightlifting fan. Like, you know, you've, you've mm. said you've been, you've been involved in weightlifting for nearly a decade now or more. And mm-hmm. how was that? How was that kind of seeing that in person? What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. It, it was amazing. Ilya has been one of my, if not my favorite weightlifters since I started, basically. Like, used to watch all of his videos, you know, from when he started. I didn't watch back then, but like rewatching from 2005 when he won the world championships, age 17, undefeated, just whenever he had to do it, he did it and just, just amazing athlete. Um, and then obviously meeting him, I'd met him before a couple of times. Like he was at the British Champs uh, early last year, early in 2019. And then I saw him at the World Champs. So like I knew him enough, um, but then actually living with him was so eye-opening just to see how he is in real life because he's, you know, I think a lot of people look at the drug situation as though it's just black and white. And it's such a, uh, it's just lacking in such detail to look at it like that it's it's not like it's one person's decision to do this it's so multi-layered like to consider that it's Ilya's free choice to take drugs and only his and he's trying to defeat the system is it's such a poor understanding of what's going on like yeah it's been this governmental regime for a long time yeah athletes in those kinds of countries are treated more like property than anything else like he's forced to do this thing he also has been told by living you know Kazakhstan was part of the Soviet Union. So like he like the information that moves into those countries is different. Like he's been told that America and Great Britain all dope. Like and he said that to me. He's like, well, Americans dope. Like and he's convinced that everyone in the world dopes and that he's just the best. And when he wins, like it's not him winning, it is Kazakhstan winning. Like every resource yeah. they have is funneled into him to exert their dominance as a country over everyone else. So like to think that it's just him. So like him deciding to take drugs and compete is very different to Wes Kitts deciding to take drugs and compete because he just believes that it's what you do. Like that's yeah. why you compete. Like I'm an athlete, I take drugs. But then living with him, you kind of like when now he literally can't take drugs. And like I can definitely say that he wasn't on drugs when I was there. Yeah. But but he was they were trying to. Like they absolutely wanted to find a way to take drugs. And the way that I describe it is like he is it's very much like he's a drug addict. Seriously, like he has gone through 15 years of taking drugs and when everything, whenever anything went wrong, they would give him a drug. Like something would be injected and he'd feel better. Yeah. So like when he, when his knees were hurting, you know, instead of um, taking ibuprofen, like they'd find a way to inject something that was legal, uh, like a, a legal yeah, injection, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but just like the physical needle going in made him feel better. Um, or like he would rather rehydrate with a drip because it looks more like clinical and pharmaceutical. And he was just constantly looking for that sort of thing. Um, and I mean, on one of the days, like he had a bad training session and he just, and he's, he's clearly very depressed as well, which is a shame. Like he's very happy sometimes and depressed other times because, you know, he's lost everything, lost all of his money, you know, lost his friends, lost his medals. Um, and the country's just left him, but you know, one of the sessions he didn't do well and he just took a load of antidepressants Whoa, and went to bed. And I was like, I, you know, I said something about it. His coach said, oh, you won't see him tomorrow. 
I was like, what do you mean? He was like, no, that he, he'll be asleep for 48 hours or 36 hours an hour or whatever. Jesus. And he was like, he slept all throughout the next day and then woke up the following day and just started again. Wow. And it's just crazy, man. Jesus it's just like, he's, he's, he's broken by the regime. Like you should, people should feel yeah. sorry for him rather than yeah. think that he's, because he's so not the source of the problem. He's just like yeah. the expression of the problem above the surface, but the problem is underneath. It's so much deeper like, yeah. as we've just found out. You know, with you know the McLaren report, like yeah. you said, though, if he started taking when he's fifteen, like how a fifteen-year-old right. told your whole country yeah. is relying on you, clearly you're talented. How could you possibly expect him to have anything but okay? You know, how could he possibly say anything else? Yeah, um, yeah. Like you did a great podcast with him. Those interviews. Okay, um, yeah. That's pretty grim to hear, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we expect our heroes to be infallible. Like never meet your heroes. You know. Uh-huh. Um so one thing well, I don't know if you found that because like, you guys have met a lot of weightlifters but generally when they say don't meet your heroes it's it's almost always been true yeah. for me like I, I'm glad that I've met everyone and I've developed better relationships with them Yeah. but the fault of you as the fan like the fault of me as a fan yeah, is yeah. I put so much expectation on them and I assume them to be that they're going to be a certain way yeah. and they can never live up to that and yeah. it's always like now I kind of, I go in with no expectation. So I, I have no level of disappointment. Yeah. But initially I almost had that. I was like, oh man, you're not. Like <laughs> yeah. when I first met Glenn, I was like, I thought you're just going to tell Donnie Shankle stories all the time. And you haven't, <laughs> you haven't mentioned him once. Like, why did I come yeah. out here? But yeah, it's kind of strange. <laughs> but Mezzo is different. He's like, yeah. he's one of the yeah. only people I've met where I'm like, he actually exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Gabriel's a very cool guy as well. Gabriel, yeah. Um, yeah. Like Clarence is a dick if anyone's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I suppose Ilya's fault was that he was just so amazing on stage, so charismatic, so dominant. Yeah, yeah. Like 2014 Worlds, I remember I was doing my fi- some of my final year exams and I was watching down the library yeah, and I man. was just like, yeah, just couldn't. Yeah, couldn't. I was it. first year as well, first year exams. Fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, just like, yeah, insane. Like, and yeah. it was for such a prolonged period as well that it was just like complete and utter dominance. Yeah, like th- there hasn't been anyone since mm-hmm. that that's anywhere near that like that kind yeah. of transcendence did you think he was going to make the comeback did you think it would work because i thought he was and then dar was like no he's gone as soon, the first day when he was in romania yeah Claire, dar yeah. was like he's done uh, i thought it was possible yeah you know there was always that bit of hope in me that thought it was possible i know that like because ultimately you're governed by wada so and but there are certain places in the world where wada can't go like yeah. north korea and Kazakhstan has a good relationship with the North Koreans. So like oh. there was, I was hearing Ilya's team while I was there talking about how they can get, like, can they get a pardon from North Korea to go and train there for three months? Clearly like, we'll just have three months of just blasting before Tokyo or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just didn't work. Like it didn't happen. They weren't able to do it. Fuck. And no, nah, I mean, he's retired now anyway, but like he, you could just see, I mean, he wasn't, no no it wasn't happening like he didn't have it anymore like once he it's like icarus you know you fly too close to the sun yeah yeah and you think you can do anything and then he he lost one time and it was like he realized that he's just mortal yeah and all and he starts realizing like all these other people are better than me you know when i'm not on drugs like yeah a lot of people are better than me and yeah but it's just yeah crazy like physically he looked like he still had he still had his speed so he did that 260 front squat yeah like 120 like he had the speed yeah. and the power i think psychologically was his his death there and but how could you ever recover from that really yeah yeah it's an interesting one that because i said to 
I said to his coach, like, you know, he's clean and jerking like 205 at the moment or something. Mm -hmm. And I said, I bet if the world record is 215. So he was like within 5% of the world record. I bet he could hit 216. Yeah. And his coach was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's like, because the world record is actually uh, 231 because he was a 96, like he can't hit that 216. And it's when you, when like when the proximity, when you're closer and closer to a world record, there's a little bit extra that you can just give to yeah. get there. Yeah. But when you're way away from it, like you can't find the extra five kilos. But if you can trick yourself to think that five kilos more is actually the world record, he'd hit it. So yeah. it's almost like because he was always on the line of the world record, when he had to, he could just turn it on and put those extra five on. Mm, and he yeah. can't do that now because he knows that he's so far away from the world record. So yeah. he's not hitting his real potential right now. I think the other thing that, someone like Ilya who is such a prodigy and just so dominant all the time is you get this thing where you have no ability to deal with loss and you've no ability to deal with like an adverse circumstance yeah. so like he he had injuries and stuff going through his career but you're basically dealing with somebody who's been the winner since they yeah. were like five like five six seven eight years old yeah. and then it's now that he's like gone past his his best days in weightlifting and he's into his 30s like you're now having to learn how to lose as an athlete mm. and that's just never done it before. yeah 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 like it's like it's like every single weekend you get to be with the hottest girl in the whole world and then suddenly yeah, yeah. all the really hot girls are going out with somebody else like joe <laughs> they reject and, you yeah 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 <laughs> and then Ilya's left there like at the end of the night being like oh fuck <laughs> yeah yeah well he also like it was very strange he because like you said he's been he's won everything and he's been given everything so he can't do normal things which yeah. is really strange like he's like a big kid in some ways <laughs> really lovely really giving like you know i went to the cinema with him and he's like he refused to let me pay like really kind in that sense but can't make a coffee like ca cannot make a coffee like oh, can't me. make Lisa's can't like cook himself well. yeah ca can't cook himself some like chicken and pasta Fuck. You know, yeah, and still yeah. has this idea. It's, it's like as lovely as he is, and he really is very generous and nice. Every, he still expects everyone to do things for him. Oh, okay. So if he needs like a pack of gum and it's midnight and he's up like smoking shisha, he'll just text one of the guys from his team, and the guy will like walk for half an hour to go and get a pack of gum and bring oh, it really? back. Fuck. And it's and it's and and he'll be really he'll be like, oh, when the guy comes back, he'll be like, thank you so much, and like give him a hug and be like, that's really kind of you. But it's still just the system is like you have one athlete and everyone does everything for you. Yeah. And it's been like that since he was a teenager. And that's just how it is for him. And it's, you know, he's just looked after all the time. Yeah. Did, did you see that documentary that came out? Um, maybe maybe it was pre-2012. It was like winning for gold or something about Ilya, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it showed him going back after. It was actually was after 2012 because he'd won his medals. And he was just uh -huh. the parade, like the super, everybody was just out to see Ilya come home yeah um and he's like friends of the president yeah like, yeah like he's really high up yeah, yeah yeah have you ever talked to any kazakh people about the president we were there a couple of years ago and <laughs> but they get so defensive yeah. they were like yeah oh is he like a dictator and they're like no 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 but he's naming a lot of buildings and airports and capitals after him yeah because they think he's going to die soon so he's just trying to make yeah, sure yeah. his legacy is there but they're like he's not a dictator and we we're like okay yeah <laughs> no problem <laughs> Um, yeah no i did actually i went to so my dad used to live in kazakhstan all right okay bizarrely he now lives in china of all places so i'm hoping i can go there and see some chinese weightlifters but yeah yeah um so when i went there like i was hoping to meet up with Ilya at the time and i'd spoken to him on instagram a bit 
And so when I met people, my dad would say to them, oh, this is my son. He knows Ilya. Like, I didn't know him at the time, but like, he just said that. And everyone knew who Ilya was. But this was yeah. right. He'd just been popped. Like, he'd lost all his medals. Oh, and people, they would all say to me, like, isn't it so bad that they're, they're taking his medals? Like, he would never take drugs. <laughs> and I'd be like, and I was like, no, like, I'm, I think he did take <laughs> drugs. Like, I do think that's what's happened here. And they said, no, 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 they're just, you know, they're just trying to take Kazakhstan down. They just yeah. absolutely don't believe that no. he did anything wrong or anything. That's probably better yeah. for him, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Moving on to brighter circumstances, you obviously had a mm. lot of, well, not brighter now, but I suppose you had a lot of plans pre-COVID. What, what, what did you lined up? Were you going anywhere? Any cool trips? <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was going to be away all of April. I was oh, going to do uh, Moscow for the Russian champs, yeah. uh, for the European champs straight to Kazakhstan for the Asian champs and then straight to the Dominican Republic for the Pan Ams. Oh shit. Uh, which would have, the, what would have been good about that is it would have just given me like a year's worth of footage. Fuck. So I wouldn't have to worry about like YouTube or Instagram yeah, or anything, yeah. but now I'm just running low, you know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm back yeah. down to the dregs. Like there are a few really good videos that I've been saving of like Lasher that I'll, I'm going to have to release now cause I'm running out. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to being able to get out to the USA or get to some kind of competition and film and uh, and do something like that. But, but I figured what I would do is um, I did some filming for Lifting Life, who are like an independent, you know, they go and they film at international competitions. And so I have access to all of the videos from the 2019 World Champs, like the competition videos. Okay. So I figured I'd do like a 2021 Olympics preview Oh, well, I would just like one week I'd go through like every single weight class. So I'd start with like the 55 kilo, 45 kilo. Wait, it's a 45. That's not even a class at the Olympics. 49 kilo class yeah. for the Olympics. And like say, these are the people in contention. Oh, uh, this is who's done what. This person still needs to hit this. This is what we can expect. And just play videos of them over the back. And then just work all the way up through to the stupers and, you know, Lasher and everything. And just kind of basically describe what this the situation as it stands right now. And then that that will give me like another twenty weeks worth of content, I guess. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll I'll just run out, and that will be bad. <laughs> yeah. Are you were you going to go to Tokyo? Was that the plan? Um, it's it was hard to know because with something like Tokyo, they give the rights to like yeah. you've got to be like ESPN or yeah. something. If you know what I mean. MSNBC. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I can't like apply and win unless yeah. I give them like millions. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I know that at the last Olympics, Nat from Hook Grip, he like snuck in somehow with really high quality camera footage, uh, camera equipment. I don't know how. And he had like different people in the building yeah, shooting from did. different angles. Yeah, like amazing high, like slow-mo high quality. Um, but there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Um, so I figured what I would, if, if anything, I would just go there. I was hoping to be in the training. The USA have got this training hall that they're going to go train in for like a month before mm-hmm. to like prep themselves for it. So do that. Hopefully then, you know, head over to wherever Mezzo is, film some of him, hopefully find like Lasher and those guys, like see what I can do before they get into the Olympic facilities yeah. uh, and just document like the months before. But I had, I, I didn't really have any good plans for it, but hopefully I'll still be able to do that next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We're hoping to drive over from Ireland. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, drive? Yeah. Yeah, big road trip. Yeah. I, I, I'm. If you have space, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go to different gym, or I'll just drive behind you. I've got like a massive uh, 2004 
Volkswagen Touran, like a proper like mother of four kids kind of car. <laughs> it's, it's got like 150,000 miles on it, so I'll just drive that behind you and yeah, just, I'll will, just leave it in Tokyo as a. It will have 200,000 miles on it by the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll be, we uh, yeah, it'll hopefully it'll be fun. Um, I was hoping maybe like is there, is there any way we could give a camera to who would be in the Olympics because the training hall footage of the Olympics is like gold. Yeah, if you gave like a GoPro, maybe Hussein or someone might um. Each or uh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Actually, there might be something you could do is maybe give it to him because I feel like Hussein would be able to even a few hours of something of the yeah. Like obviously, we don't really care about training all footage, but and Hussein is the smoothest man oh in the world. Oh my god! Could you imagine? Yeah, I guarantee you, he could go up to any team and be yeah. like, "Hey, how's it going? Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna leave <laughs> this box down. here. Yeah, no problem. Smile like. for the camera. Thanks, guys. See yeah. you later. ESPN come to shut him down. He's yeah, like, yeah. Come on. yeah, 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 yeah. It's all good. <laughs> come on, boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, suddenly, you're allowed to come in as well as yeah. the camera. <laughs> Um, yeah for some reason i'm just there uh who knows i don't know i'll i'll, tr- I'll try and find a way to get some stuff filmed yeah after because it's think... just such a shame because like someone like cnbc like they'll buy the rights yeah only to then not film anything yeah, yeah. It's, it's just as long as no one else can film it yeah then yeah, yeah. then they then they don't lose on something so they're gonna like have the rights but not film it and there's this amazing content yeah. that people like us would just you know give anything to see the, and like that's it yeah you could possibly get in if you were contacting teams themselves uh because teams would be uh, allowed to take video, video footage um but i'm just not sure like that's obviously a lot of work yeah, maybe i can like sneak in as part of like yeah meso's team yeah yeah like and then just stay in there yeah yeah, yeah. just get in there and just film get one of these his t-shirts you know miso t-shirts yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and just chill because like you remember that all power? with the USA? Yeah. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. that would that'd be. I so could cool. probably get in with them because like video... great, I don't know why I don't think about the Great Britain. Like uh, that's where I'm from. I could probably. <laughs> maybe, I just never think about them. Like, I never consider them to be like a possibility. But of course, yeah. like Sarah and Zoe will be going. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, Emily and maybe Godly. I don't know, but yeah, there'll be some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. You have to because that power clean Avilia at london you know the 200 kilo power clean yeah that was yeah, um, yeah. i stole that off his coach's instagram toshi and beck i put it up on youtube oh, yeah yeah like hundred thousand <laughs> views straight away yeah you've got you've got some playlists right yeah yeah because i think i remember every now and then i just get sucked into like a playlist and yeah. i realize that it's yours and this is great like you and ian wilson oh yeah, have yeah. Some great playlists oh he yeah. had he had me well beaten he had stuff that was crazy like yeah I, yeah i'd find something like you know in college it was either study which i obviously wasn't going to do so at like no, three o'clock in the morning, I was just going to look at CCTV and see if I could find random yeah. footage. And then I hit the motor load one time and I found Ilya had like a random Facebook and a load of training videos up, like world records and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I was like, download, download, download. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't monetize anything, but obviously I wanted to see it as much as anyone else wanted to see it. Yeah. So And like they did. Um, yeah, then people started stealing my videos and I was like, I couldn't. I don't know why I was angry because I'd stolen them from Alias. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. you, you know, do that. I'm the same man. Yeah. yeah. Before I film my own videos for Instagram, I'd just like rip it off a YouTube video, and then if I, if someone reposted it, I'd be like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Even my shit. Clarence hates those. You know those reposting page. You know they repost lifts. Yeah. He oh, hates I hate them. them. Yeah. He's like they're just stealing people's stuff. But if you like weightlifting, you're like this is an easy place for all those good lifts. Yeah. 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 Um. So what's the plan for the rest of the year? Or like from here until maybe september when the um yeah, restrictions yeah. get lifted even more it's really hard to know i mean try and get these plates like designed and manufactured and on their way to the usa and the uk yeah that would be really nice um i'm about 75 percent of the way through another book that i'm writing i just figured like 
you know, Glenn passed away in September, I think. Yeah, early September last year. And so I figured like he's, there's so much knowledge that he has that, you know, and I know a good amount of it now having spoken to him so much. So someone's got to write it. So I, yeah. I'm writing a book called uh, something like, you know, the Glenn Pendley book of methods for weightlifting or something like that. Yeah. So I've done like 50, 60,000 words or something. And I'm, I need to try and finish that. I just, you know, when I get towards the end of a project, I start to lose motivation. So I, yeah. I'll have to force myself to do that. Um, and then I guess start this new YouTube series, you know, documenting, you know, where we we're at before the Olympics. And I don't know, like, I just want to, I really want to travel. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't even, you know, I don't like traveling to go see stuff, but to, which is really like rubbish and boring of me. Yeah. Like when I went to Thailand, I didn't go anywhere except the training hall. Like, I just don't care. I <laughs> yeah. just want to watch the weightlifting. But is like, if there's a competition that I know I could go to or an athlete I could go and film, yeah. I'd feel much better about my life right now. But yeah. <laughs> knowing that I have to be sat like in this apartment where I'm at right now, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a killer. Yeah, yeah it's the itchy feet thing. Like we were supposed yeah. to go see Miso hopefully before the Olympics, and then we're going to see Gabriel again, and then Miso was on about coming to Ireland in like September or something. Yeah. But obviously, you know, everything all that's gonna, is. Like, yeah. It is a shame. Um, yeah, post Olympics, he needs to do like a seminar tour or something. That's what he was talking yeah. about. But obviously, yeah, yeah, he doesn't need the money, really. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. Did he tell you about when um, you know, the kind of the the head of the weightlifting federation came to him and was like, "Oh, what medal do you think you're going to get?" And he was like, "Our top five, or what do you think?" And Misa was like, "Gold." And he was like, Are "You sure?" Because like top five would be good. You know, that'd be great for Qatar. And he was like, "Misa, like, no, no, gold." And he was like, "If I get gold, I will be set for life, basically." He said, what right. your man said to him is, if you get gold, anything in the world is yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy, like the head of the Qatar Federation, when I was there, he just drove up in like this unbelievable Ferrari. Yeah. And yeah. just pulled up outside the train. Like they, they, like, they have so much money in, the, in that yeah, part of the world. Crazy. It's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, I could believe that. Like he, if he wins gold in Tokyo, he's set. Like, yeah. He's set for life. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah do you think on a, on a random note there do you think Moretti's going to make it back i feel like he is considering he's got an extra year and a bit now yeah yeah i mean rastami's not that's no. for sure oh, but God. yeah I, I think i worked it out like rastami needed he needed to basically hit the highest sinclair of all time to make <laughs> it to the top eight so you know it's not happening <laughs> no um if, if if everyone could stop telling me that i'm wrong about it's so like no. the comments on youtube i was like no i reckon rastami will do it and i'm like you don't understand. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you you yeah. could not be more wrong right now. Yeah. Just leave it. Um, um, but but uh, Sarab, I think I worked it out. He needs to get like a world, he needs a world record. No problem for him. He need, yeah, he needs to beat his 2018 world record where he got, it's like, did he took like 418 or 416 or something like that? Yeah. So he's going to have to do, you know, 185, 233 or something. It's going to have to be the biggest total we've seen in that weight class. But we all know that he can do it if he's in shape, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, and now that he's got an extra year, it's been a gift for him, really, the delay. Like, he's got an extra year for the Asian Championships. And if he puts down that total there, it's a gold tier event. So he gets a 10% Roby bonus. And that could put him in the top eight. And then if that happens, anything then, can then, happen. he, then he's going to win. Then he'll win. <laughs> Surely he'll win. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see Miso pull like snatching enough to beat him. And Moretti's done like two forty plus clean and jerk and training. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where's Miso? Two oh five snatch. That's insane. Yeah. Oh, you know that? Um, I was talking to you this before, but do you remember me Ilya's best ever snatch? Did you ever get the video? Yeah. Or did you ever see it? 
Didn't get it. No. Oh, man. What did he say? It was was it like two oh three or something? What did he say it was? I can't even remember. Two hundred plus from the floor anyway. Yeah, because yeah, two oh five like... off blocks. Yeah, and then it's two hundred off blocks at ninety four. I still think because the oh, maybe fastest. the fastest. Yeah, snatch yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. You need to you need to get that two or two or two. He said his wife, his ex wife, has got it, and I don't think that's oh, an no. easy <laughs> conversation. It's not like a casual. Hey, you know. Can you send me that video, by <laughs> yeah, the way? Yeah. <laughs> she could make millions um, off that. Yeah, two glasses of yeah. wine one night, she'll get pissed off and delete it. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. But no, I mean, that 96 category would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, you know, nobody talks about the Belarusian guy, Yoheni Tsukansu. That absolute unit. Who did, he snatched like 180, clean jerk 222. Yeah. He's unbelievably, like, he... I don't see why he wouldn't medal. He's getting banned soon. He has to be. Yeah. There's no he's way. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. This is one of those things, you know, remember Andre and, and Rankin Crapian? You know Crapian. Like, when he was at Junior Worlds, everyone's like, he's going to get banned. I remember my coach at the time was like, he's getting banned. Uh, or no, it was a youth Worlds, actually. And I was like, really? And he's like, he's 100% getting banned. And he got banned like a year later. Like, this, <laughs> yeah. that Belarusian guy is just asking for it. I feel like they slap yeah. down people who are too obvious, you know. Like yeah. he's guy, he's just powering two two twenty and stuff like yeah. nobody's business. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Yeah, he's absurd. But I mean, I know we'll talk about this on the episode with Zach. But like, there are what forty people who have now had you know positive tests that are being sent to Wada. Mm, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, can't wait. Yeah, people have got to like prepare yourselves for like everyone going. Like yeah. Lasher, yeah, yeah, yeah. gone. Like yeah, all yeah. these guys could just go. Uh, Tom Lodana gone. Like I bet, I oh, bet no. some of the big names are going to disappear. Yeah, and it could be like if you do a, if you were to write a series today on all the favorites for next year, oh, like no. <laughs> forty people gone could realistically be every Everyone. single person who's a favorite. Like that's yeah, yeah. that's like that's the reality you're dealing with here. There might be yeah. like some weight classes that will get away, but like definitely weight classes above like. 70 kilos yeah <laughs> for males yeah, yeah. like you're everybody could be gone um yeah we'll, we'll save that for next episode because there's so much to get into there yeah um, yeah yeah there is yeah absolutely we actually have a guy coming on next week who is basically helps people pass tests for a living um he's coming on he is yeah so such who's that uh project chavez he is ah. you've probably never heard of him but he um, no. is one of the like he's a yeah. genius when it comes to peds and like we, we oh, don't fascinating. we don't compete anymore so we just kind of are like um we just like when people take gear we're like that's ah, none of our business we don't care like yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so obviously we're like when people take gear and people who are natural lose we're like that's terrible because i've been on that side too but yeah, when people yeah. lift like 220 snatch we're like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of no i'm the same yeah, I, yeah. I get that like if if you if you're not competing like yeah do what you want like, yeah like who, like, who cares like, yeah, and yeah as a if, sport if I, yeah like once i'm done and i've had kids and everything i'd have anything to worry about like and i don't that might be an ignorance that i don't even know if that makes a difference but like i'll probably just jump on like who knows like, yeah, yeah you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah. why not there's nothing wrong with that's that but if, you're, if you're still competing then it's then it's a little bit different but yeah yeah um no that sounds interesting yeah it sounds really interesting we, we had a guy on called um alex colliari turner who's from he's doing a phd in brighton oh, he went to cambridge uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you know him? Yeah, I just know him from his podcast. And um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was great. Like his knowledge of drugs is unbelievable. It's crazy, yeah, fascinating guy. But then his podcast, like we were talking about, this joking, but his his podcast essentially is a roadmap for people not to test positive. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, like it's so informative and it goes into all the compounds in so much detail. 
uh, like it's too informative. Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. you're you're being like, oh, you're doing a PhD in anti-doping, yet a portion of people who listen to your podcast are probably there with a notepad being like, hmm, yeah, Turinabol, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He talks about Turinabol and all the side effects and then he's like, and they gave it to the weightlifters and they added 20 kilos in a month and you're like, geez, that's terrible though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible, yeah. yeah just yeah, jotting yeah. it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, I finished that episode and I just like, we ended the call and I turned to Josh and I was basically like, all right, well, growth, I guess. Yes, it's growth hormone then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we're gonna do it. Waitley here, Project Travis. Yeah. He is like he said the Olympics being postponed was the best thing ever for him because there's so there's like 500 athletic athletes who will be their bands ending next year and they can go back to the Olympics and he's like it's just good business for him. <laughs> um, but that's for oh that's, yeah, of course. Like people who are banned can now yeah, and who's going to be coming to him be, like previous fucking yeah. with they're having story. to get a yeah. four year Olympic cycle into eight or nine months and if there's a guy who's going to help you do that it's definitely yeah him. yeah to be honest he went so there's a good bit of stuff on youtube on youtube like of him speaking and he just really like there's echoes of victor conte from balco labs yeah, uh, yeah. like there's just so many things there where they're so into it and it's like yeah. such intense intelligence and then you're like oh but he's a fucking evil genius like yeah. it's you know it's is is it one of those situations because like presumably he can go to jail so is it one of those things where like he can talk about it yeah. in the same way that like you know you can like smoke weed on camera yeah. but like yeah. as long as no one like no one can prove anything so is it like he can say it but I, he I, can't say names and no yeah. one can actually catch yeah. him so oh yeah 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 what he says. yeah, yeah. He, I, I assume and i think as well like he's not going to like no 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 he doesn't say names or yeah or, or yeah. make like recommendations of being like yeah oh if you're a 96 kilo male you should do this or whatever he he, he did right. say wada so he does like underground seminars and wada representatives always go if they can and show up and listen to everything mm-hmm. he says you know and like they'll, yeah. they'll they'll be like yeah i'm the water representative and they'll listen to all the things he's talking about because they're like we need to know this information yeah yeah and he's only giving out information so he's not selling drugs to anyone he's just literally like Second, this oh, is he just gives information. Yeah, yeah. so he he does. Ah, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah. I'm sure he has. That's genius. I know he has um a whole like he's uh, he's definitely checked this out legally. Like, so I'd say he's fucking he's he's golden that yeah. way. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll listen to that episode for sure. Def- I'll be good. I'll be listening to it as well again because yeah. like, um so just this for my own personal <laughs> use. Same <laughs> <laughs> back competing in a year's time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Next time no, we're I mean, talking I was to thinking, you, just be like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wanted to get. I mean, I know a bunch of guys, obviously, who've been on drugs and then and gotten pretty good and then come off and everything. But I wanted to get someone like Pat Mendes on, who was so good and who everybody like. There would be no. I don't think he would have. He wouldn't like be worried that people would find out. Like everybody yeah. knows already. Yeah. yeah so someone yeah. like him, I don't know if he would do it, but I'd love to get someone like him on to just talk about what it was like. You know. Just I don't know how in depth he'd go. Maybe he wouldn't want to talk about it at all. Like yeah. he'd like to say no, but I'd love to get someone on who would be willing to just go through everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like that's what people yeah, are, like yeah, that information yeah, yeah. people are starving for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we all know people like that, but it's hard to get someone like that who's willing to actually sit down and yeah, yeah, and go through it. But and somebody who's currently not in a position like almost nobody is in a position where they won't lose something by divulging more collateral damage. Yeah. But, like even somebody like if you get an Olympian who has meddled or like has tested positive, gotten their medal taken away from them, they'll still have something going on that like yeah uh, prevents pro- them from saying exactly it. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. 
Pat Mendy yeah, is probably is the best person for that. He's probably the yeah. least to lose, really. Yeah. You just have and to get if... him in between 600-pound back squats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good series. I like him, too. Yeah. yeah. It's fun to watch. That's yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was going to ask, how long have you guys been doing the podcast? Because like, I've known about it for a while, but how long, how long has that been? I, I think it's March 2019 last year. I think it was our first podcast. I so think... just over a year. Just yeah. over a year, yeah, yeah. Uh, just right, before okay. we went to Romania, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How have you found it? Because obviously, like I've done a podcast for a long time now, like, and it's you get some stuff from it and some stuff you don't get. Like it's, I mean, it's always in, it's so rare that I talk to people who do a podcast. So, how have you found it? I suppose for us, where our angle was, um, like obviously, so we sell programs and coaching and you know seminars and consulting mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, and it's kind of a way of for us and. It kind of feels like it's seedy saying it out loud, but in one way, it's just letting people know that you're not a dumbass. So if they want to buy a program, they're like, these lads aren't idiots, you know? And then obviously, there's always a thing with people who have a passion for something is they just want to tell everyone about it. And Mm -hmm. my girlfriend's not going to listen to me talk about anything. So (laughs) he's like, no one wants to hear us talk about it, but there's someone out there who does. So a podcast, because I want to listen to people talk about this. Like, like Roger coming out next week. I really want to hear that stuff, you know? So I feel like, it's something for us. It's something we really enjoy doing. And it was weird because when we started it, we just didn't want it. We didn't. We were like, no one's going to listen to us. Yeah. We're not going to want to do that. And then here we are, like nearly 70 episodes later, like kind of. Yeah. I think, to be honest, it spawned so naturally. So for probably for around six months beforehand, people were like, oh, is this going to be like, are you going to do a podcast? We're kind of constantly denying it. Mm-hmm. Um, And then we knew we had Romania coming up. And we we're like, look, people never get to sit down with athletes of this nat- like of this level yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're like we kind of owe it to the people who listen to us and are being coached by us to like obviously like the information gets passed on in the form of programs or like recommendations or whatever but uh, like it's really good content to just leave slip by so then we just mm-hmm. literally bought the gear before we went to Romania then we had Qatar coming up we we're like geez there's good opportunities here with Miso and with his father uh of like once again kind of like freeing up that information for people who aren't going to be able to like you like you're in a really gifted position that you get to meet loads of weightlifters and have really good conversations we're in a really good position but the realistic thing is most people aren't uh yeah so then I think we just started doing the episodes on our own then uh and it's a way of the other it's not a selfish reason but the other reason it makes sense for us to do it is we get a lot of the same question continuously mm-hmm. so like we get loads and loads of stuff about like we might mention stuff about psychology or we might mention stuff about programming and it's a very very similar question uh for the course of eight months and then we just do a podcast series on it and suddenly people kind of get that thirst quenched for that bit of knowledge uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, we don't really do guests that much either. I think we've had less than ten guests. Like, so if we want someone on, it's it's for a good reason, you know. Oh, it's, really? It's someone who yeah. who can bring something. Um, yeah, like yourself said. Yeah, like yourself. Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I I resonate with that. Like um, the feeling that all you're really doing is trying to create a port portal like a, some access for everybody else who isn't able to be there yeah like I, like i could just go to the world championships and not film but it's like i know like i would be so excited if i wasn't me there right yeah. then to yeah. be able to watch it on youtube later 
and it's the same with the podcast. It's like, let's find, let's find out how the athletes live, how the coaches program yeah, and all yeah. of that stuff. And then just spread it out to as many people as possible. Yeah. I get that. It's cool. It's really cool. Um, yeah. Seb, this has been obviously, this has been fantastic and it wasn't our intention, but it's been, it turned out really great. And, um, <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Fun. Thanks very much for coming on. We'll, um, Anytime. Hopefully, we'll see you again shortly in the next few days <laughs> if we can get someone else to appear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, perfect. Seb, thank you so much. Thanks very much. Bye. Yeah, no problem.